Ignited Bones, a military romantic saga of suspense. J. Z. Luciano. Copyright Copyright Symbol 2020 by J. Z. Luciano Published by J. Z. Luciano United States of America Formatting and Book Design by Pink Moon Books Cover Model, Mr. Brian Carpenter Photography by Sean Cahill All rights reserved No part of this book may be reproduced in any form or by any electronic or mechanical means including information storage and retrieval systems without written permission from the author except for the use of brief quotations in a book review. Special thanks to Cover model a Mr. Brian Carpenter former Chippendale entertainer and fitness guru to the stars. Photography by Sean Cahill. I Prologue In the movie A Dangerous Method, Dr. Carl Gustav Jung said it best to Sabina Spielrian one of his most famous and infamous mistresses, sometimes you have to do an unforgivable thing, just to go on living. Sableland smelted Jung's words, ideologies, and all that went along with it upon her very being, literally. She could not help it. This former soldier and veteran was the consummate commitment phobic and emotional existentialist. Sableland only trusted that which she felt she could control. Combined with being an incurable romantic to her ideologies and convictions, it made her an exceedingly difficult and complicated woman who possessed a credulous belief in the promises and vows of gentlemen of chivalry and due diligence. Thus, making the beauty a hard-ass libertine and lover. To say the least. Moreover, when it came to duty, honor, and all things promised, she placed very heavy tariffs upon the gentlemen who made promises. To her, considering their word an iron bond between them. She held these bonds in the highest of regard. They signaled the high bars and benchmarks of her repartee with such men. The bonded words of two such gentlemen had marked her belief, intimacy, and love for them. Their promises, once spoken, became chiseled on her very spirit with chivalry, valor, and unsurpassed faith. However, destiny and fate can be extremely fickle and feckless, at times. The unpredictabilities of Major Glenn and Lord Foxington Chow Lenjed Saberland's credulity and core values, the likes of the duel between Burr and Hamilton. Who would end up slaying whom was the question lingering in the very air around this trio. Literally, this cast their sacred covenant into an intrinsic, and intimate vicious cycle the trio of primal emancipators had yet to experience, thus, consuming all that they cherished socially, emotionally, and psychologically into the possibility of burning cinders. Existentialist, or not. 2J, Z, Luciano. Part I. U. 1. Operation Moonlight. Under a crisp, Cold night sky filled with twinkling, endless stars, military aircraft of American and Russian forces were locked in a blazing firefight over the Italian Alps. In the midst of it was the prize, a medevac helicopter packed to the nines with wounded dark ops members. And, of course, three dead soldiers. Of the dead were Master Sergeant Graves, Colonel Parsh, and Lieutenant McDaniel. Oh, fucking hell. The mission, dubbed Operation Moonlight, was anything but routine.
Still, the Russian attack came as a surprise. Two American Black Hawk gunships had been assigned to protect the Medevac copter's precious cargo as the convoy surged hard over the Alps from war-torn Bosnia. The pilots had been aiming toward their designated landing zones, or LZs, just over the mountains in Italy. As the convoy entered Allied airspace, hellfire erupted behind them. Seven or eight Russian bogies were now hard on their tail. Sergeant First Class Haskell bit down hard on an unlit cigarette. Watching the action from his gunship, enemy fire had forced his pilot to veer off toward the snow-laden foot of the Alps in an evasive maneuver. SFC Haskell scowled at Russian fighter jets zipping around the snow-capped mountain peak, leaving his Black Hawk no opening to re-engage the enemy. A bitter realization roiled in his gut. Operation Moonlight was dissolving into one full-blown clusterfuck. This whole mission was spinning out of control. Relieved, he noted that two more gunships from his team's base at Aviano had joined the fight, but with so many enemy aircraft involved, his boys soon were on the run. There was a spot of good fortune, an early morning mist rose from the frozen alpine expanses, providing an extra blanket of cover to conceal his forces. Timing and cover, at that point, were needed. Despite this small advantage, Haskell saw that the enemy ships were spreading out into a threatening attack formation. The threat matrix level was now elevated, even further. Time to kill or be killed, so to speak. Suddenly, the skies became too crowded for this maneuver. Other allied gunships rose up to join the fray. The Russian attack had triggered an alert that spread across European comms like a viral video. Sending allied military assets on the ground into scramble mode. Their F-22 fighter jets swarmed up from the cramped valley below. Of course, in hot pursuit, the deadly Russian planes that targeted the Medevac ship tried to slide in for the kill. The skies around them lit up like the goddamn 4th of July. The predator drones of the Allies had fully engaged and proceeded to pick off the enemy threats with simultaneous direct hits. Boom, boom, boom. Those damn drones were not fucking playing, not one bit. Though their F-22 escorts were giving his convoy cover and quarter, Haskell still itched to join in the gunfight. He barked an order to his pilot to engage and move toward the sliding door at the rear of the Black Hawk. Haskell casually flipped the safety off, arming his AR-15. The enemy was so close he could almost feel the pilot's hot breath on his cheek. Haskell felt alive, hungry to feel the rush of exhilaration and the massive hard-on he would get from the engagement. It would not be over for him until his feet hit solid ground, if at all. The sergeant's mind was all kinds of laser-focused on the firefight, their forces, and Major Glenn, the mission's commander, and 6J, Z, Luciano, team leader. The last thing on earth SFC Haskell and Major Glenn needed right now was a failed mission. Haskell burned at the null edge, this mission has gone to hell in a handbasket. It should have been a fucking cakewalk, how the hell did we blow it? The engagement had begun to fall apart under a barrage of bullets and guerrillas in the mist, so to speak. Despite the onset of hailing bullets, 
The closely guarded medevac ship was afforded the opportunity to descend towards the awaiting medical teams and designated hangars on the ground, set to the military left of Haskell's gunship, on the tarmac below. It was imperative that the ship, its wounded and the dead, made it safely to their appropriate handlers and medical responders, rather this mission was a clusterfuck, or not. Fucking damnation. Ignited Bones 7. Oh. 2. Major repercussions. In the ground, the retreating American ships were descending to their landing zones. Major Glenn's Blackhawk reached the LZ and hit the damn tarmac at top speed. Haskell's gunship came in hot behind Major Glenn's. As their team members climbed out of their ships, stark bewilderment and awe etched their faces. But Major Glenn and his men would have no time to unwind from the skirmish before the shit hit the proverbial fan. In a hangar to the left of their LZ, the so-called Alphabet Boys of the NSA, CIA, and DHS were waiting to take Major Glenn's report. The hangar to their right held designated military brass awaiting the other members of the team. No commander wished to end a mission this way, facing bristling officials glaring at them center mass with eyes like bayonets ready to puncture flesh. The shit just got real. Once the other team members were out of their gunships, they were hustled toward the opposite hangar to be debriefed and handled. According to protocol, Meanwhile, Major Glenn and SFE Haskell. <coughs> Glenn's right-hand man hurried toward a motorcade of black bulletproof vehicles waiting on standby with motors running and ready to roll out. The mission's handler, Mr. Eves, came rushing across the tarmac. The tension showing in Mr. Eves' face told them their instincts were on point. Mr. Eves could not afford any more screw-ups on his watch. Timing and execution were of the utmost importance. Shortly before, Eves had received a hand-carried order from the Office of the Defense Secretary. The DIFSEC office demanded answers from Mr. E and the sources on the ground the combatants possessed intel that was priceless to national security concerns. DEFSEC's order drove home the point that it was of the highest priority and urgency to get the Major and his E-7 debriefed and stateside immediately. Someone would have to answer for this clusterfuck. Straight away, Mr. Eves handed the Major and Haskell their respective packets. Then, too late for afterthoughts, he rushed the two rangers to the motorcade. Haskell led the way with the Major following behind. Deep within the Major's bloodshot eyes were guarded uncertainties. The officer and gentleman searched his mind. For a logical explanation of what the hell had gone so batsit crazy on. This mission. Mr. Eves ushered the two men into their awaiting vehicles, and off they went. On the way, SFC Haskell fired off a text to his team leader, Mr. E. Shaw was wound tight as a damn drum. Major Glenn texted back, Don't forget, our failure is his failure. Then SFC Haskell followed it with a flurry of texts. After our astewing, you need to get the fuck out of Dodge with a quickness, sir. Don't take your ass to that fed up, soon-to-be ex-wife of yours. Go to her. You know exactly who I am talking about, Commander. There was a short pause, but only for a few seconds. Haskell resumed his flummoxing text messages. Sir, what the fuck? You know who, Miss Sable. 
Haskell suddenly felt a bit uncomfortable. He fired off another text to his commander. You need her to fix wild damn brain, sir. Forgive me for saying these things so imprudently, but it's pertinent. Ignited Bones 9. Get right with this bitch or get her out of wirehead and life for good. Fix this emfing clusterfuck in wire mind right the hell now. Son, I was where you are now, emotionally and mentally. Trust my advice. This shit's in dire need of fixing, ASAP. Contact me if you need an assist. Haskell's chin dropped. He shook his head and softly pounded it against the windows of the SUV. The ranger and soldier within him could not believe he had just said those words of insubordination to his team commander. Yet, he did, because these were words that needed saying. Haskell both respected and dearly loved Major Glenn. He would execute what needed to be done or said. Any regrets would have to come later, if at all. Stealthily, SFC Haskell concealed his dismay and discernment for his battle buddy and trusted agent. He shut his private cell phone, then tapped it with very nervous fingers. But a second or two later, the sergeant reopened it. It was now or never he needed to make his points. Iron Eagle Obama's administration walks quietly, but carries big fucking. Sticks. Somebody's ass gets to be hung out to dry and taught the lesson, let it not be ours. They gave us some really bad intel on this one, and at too high a cost. No drama Obama's admin has zero tolerance for failure. Get going the moment you get this fucking debrief packet fr hell. Haskell closed his phone just in a nick of time. The forward movement never took a second to breathe. Its goal was simply to go on and keep in step with its forward movement until the Major and his trusted agent were debriefed and stateside. Major Glenn read the text stream from Haskell twice before hitting the ground. As his eyes took in every word, his jawline hardened in complete dismay. He knew Haskell was speaking the truth he did not want to hear. He absorbed every single word of his trusted agent and confidant with due care and respect. This revelation by SFC Haskell was a painful, gut-wrenching truth he needed to face. Haskell's words were not much a warning as a 10J, Z, Luciano. Sounding of alarms. The commander within Major Glenn knew instinctively that he had but one recourse. Comply with the sergeant's directives. His response to SFC Haskell's texts was simple and to the point. Copy that. Copy that, I mean it. No illusions about the facts, Haskell. Finally, the motorcade amidst the chaos and firefights, reached the awaiting rock and roll jet. There were men in black everywhere. Mr. Eves exited the vehicle first and was immediately covered by a dozen secret service and military protection detail dressed in full protective gear. They formed a cocoon of flak jackets and state-of-the-art armor that enclosed Mr. East tall, lean body, which was folded over in a protective stance. Mr. Eves moved like a bat out of hell with his protection in tow. Four SEAL types emerged from the black SUVs and swiftly flanked Major Glenn from both sides. Divsec considered Glenn and Haskell high-priority packages now, so protecting them was a given. But there cover was tighter than it had ever been on previous missions. 
nothing would be left to chance before the major and Haskell made it stateside, safely. SFC Haskell swiftly placed another unlit cigarette into his mouth, simultaneously cocking it to the right side. Next, he followed directly behind the major in a tight configuration up the stairs of the waiting jet. He always protected Bobby Glenn, no matter what and no matter where. Haskell was an older and far more seasoned asset. Due to his training in the British Secret Service, he could read the tea leaves of this mission like no other. He kept the Major on his toes as much as possible. But getting into his brain, that was a whole different issue. Still, he had the Major's back, as always. He would not let him go down without the good fight. Finally, the DIFSEC detail made it inside the military jet, safe and sound. After securing themselves into the posh leather seats, the pilots turned on all the necessary bells and whistles before Haskell and Major Glenn could take in a good deep breath, their rock and roll jet surged into the air like they were on liftoff to the moon. Ignited Bones 11 The gravity of this mission's failure began to sink in even deeper into both men. The weight of this realization clawed at the gentle men's brains like a monstrous hangover. What a crazy and massive clusterfuck. Major Glenn's head was filled with all kinds of doubt and apprehension. Total no-go, as far as he was concerned. He needed to level up his A-game to regain some sense of responsibility and control of the former mission's state of play. Suddenly, everything cleared up like a shot in the arm. Mentally and psychologically, Major Glenn recognized and owned up to his share of the task, so to speak. Slowly, yet firmly, Major Glenn ripped open his packet. Before reading it, he wiped the moisture from his brow and forced himself into a calmer and more steadied demeanor. What in hell was this packet going to relay to him? Was the commander's anxious and lamented thought. The words dead center on the first page of both their debriefs and summaries were simple and to the point. Operation Moonlight is not closed. Proceed to preferred and designated safe house until further notice. Seeing these words caused Major Glenn to grip the paper hard, crumpling the edge in utter excitement and anxiousness. It would be the opportunity his team needed to even the scores of their lost comrades. Damnation. 12J, Z, Luciano. A. 3. The layover. T that moment, thousands of miles away, at a hair airport Chicago, Sable and sat in the Admiral Sky Club, feeling trapped and frustrated by a long layover. Her flight was delayed due to inclement weather and mechanical difficulties. Sable and tossed her baggage into the special holding area and scowled. Will I even survive this time? The question danced around in her head like a mischievous child baiting its parent to get attention. Her entire business trip had been plagued by one issue after the other. Two lucrative business deals had gone completely awry. Sable Anne's cool and calm demeanor threatened to shatter into pieces. She needed to pull herself together and put the lost deals into perspective. The Admiral Sky Club, however, would be a very welcome reprieve. Admiral O'Hare, one of American Airlines' most high-tech, posh, and sumptuous sky clubs around, 
offered libations, food, and atmosphere. Its private business spaces were enclosed with high backed leather seats and huge desk areas. Every executive amenity its members could dream of was placed at their fingertips. Open seating areas featured views of the airfield through the club's floor-to-ceiling windows. Huge flat-screen televisions kept club members abreast of all flight times, the latest stock market statistics, and news from around the world in real time, of course. However, the main attractions, as always, were the club's two well-stocked and professionally managed bars and its dining areas. The bar seating was comfortable and stylish, the tall seats featured leather upholstery with comfy high backs. The club's bartenders were truly the friendliest. Sable Ann could not wait to place her last call and close her laptop for the duration of her trip. After securing her phone, laptop, and business tablet, Sable Ann was finally ready for a hearty drink. She waltzed over to a very crowded bar area. On her way in, Sable Ann idly surveyed the crowd of business travelers. The bar was full of shark suit types. She noticed that several of them watched her as she sidled up to the bar to place an order. Clearly, there was about to be some serious shark hunting in there. And Sable Ann was the prey. She could not help hiding a smirk riddled in cynicism. Ahead of her at the bar, three handsome XX looked like perfect corporate great white shark types. It was a bit funny to observant exec. Two of them were in their salt-and-peppered middle-aged glory. The third gentleman seemed much younger, at least from the back. When one of his friends said something to him, Sable Ann caught the mellow tones of a British accent in his reply. The bartender mixed their cocktails and set them up. The preoccupied XX, sipping their drinks with satisfaction, turned and walked past her. They began making their way over to an empty table on the other side of the crowded bar. Halfway across the room, the hot young gentleman suddenly stopped in his tracks and did a full about-face to take in the spectacle that was Sable Ann. She had to laugh at his delayed double-take. From there, she could see that a rosy blush was flushing his cheeks. Suddenly, for whatever reason, the impressed gentleman turned to gawk back at her, his smile filled with beguilement and naughty charm. The gentleman's eyes complemented his Armani shark suit. His gaze had the same cold glint as a great white shark going in for the kill. His firm, sexy physique broadcast the fact that he was a total workout buff. No one could tell him he was a horse's patootie. 14 J, Z, Luciano. Because his confidence radiated all over that sky club and bar. What a rake he was, this sexy-ass son of a bitch. Sable Ann did not mind the visual this fine male specimen presented, what woman would. But still, she could not have cared less. She was at the bar, entirely in her element. In this world of shark suit executives, Sable Ann was with her tribe. Handling shark types in their shark suits was a way of life for many female execs. Why the hell would this son of a so-and-so be any different, sexy as hell or not? Besides, he did have an alluring charm about him that was calming and uncanny. Most likely it was the British accent, and his carpenter bee, Cologne. Sable Ann would know that scent anywhere. 
Its musky notes teased her fancy, taunting the hairs of her nostrils. Rake or not, the young gentleman provided a great deal of sex appeal, and attract Ion, a very welcome, and needed distraction. Just as Sableann was toying with the notion of strolling over to ask the gentleman's name, the bartender intruded into her thoughts. She gave him her drink order and turned back to see the sexy exec as he waved off his friends. He took a step in her direction. She knew the pretentious young fellow was preparing to slip into her personal space, just as stealthy as ever. What a fucking snake, Sable unmurmured under her breath, joyfully, of course. She would make him work for his prize. She turned and walked away, making him think she was retreating from his advance, then she found a couple of empty seats at the end of the bar. Sableland slid her remarkable clever and savvy ass onto the leather seat of a barstool and crossed her lusciously long legs with studded, sensual grace. It was the signal he was looking for. In the few seconds it took him to work his way toward her, that shark of an exec undressed her with his eyes. Though Sable noticed, she chose to hide her discovery from the handsome executive. She found him quite funny and predictable. Plus, those pinstriped Armani trousers indicated that she had snared a very virile and blessed cheeky bloke. What the damnation. The coy executive winked as he shot Sable and another smile worthy of the Cheshire cat. His intrigue began to build rackingly. Ignited Bones 15 Sable Ann felt his appreciation to the way her white silk Oscar de la Renta blouse was beginning to cling to her softly moist skin. She knew her tall, voluptuous silhouette only added to the erotic pomp and circumstance of the moment, and she relished it. The rapid rise and fall of Sabreland's bosom was a dead giveaway. Even so, she really did not care. Her brain was focused on a reprieve from her disrupted journey. This sexy and cheeky bloke would offer her a most welcome sidebar. Plus, when it came to executive types such as him, her thoughts were remarkably simple, and to the point, whatever is good for the gander is great for the goose. She was seriously aroused underneath that calm and flirty demeanor of hers. But Sableann was an old-school game player who remained calm on the surface and maintained a poker face. Unbeknownst to the poor fella, she was a barbarian at the gate in her own right, totally feeling herself and the power of her allure. This poor, Clueless boy really needed to watch out, because underneath her bow. Tiful exterior was a fucking venomous viper, poised to strike at will. And strike at her will, she would. Glowing with confidence, the charming young executive murmured a hello. He was nearly salivating at the mouth. Sableann looked deeply into his fiery hazel green eyes with pupils expanded when their gaze locked. He could not look away from the piercing gaze of her chocolate diamond eyes. Coquettishly, Sable unlowered her lashes as she stirred her drink, liberating the gentleman's protuberantly intrusive beam. Affording the tenacious exec to use his eyes to scrutinize her voluptuous silhouette and demeanor in a power move of her own right. When she looked up, he was exposed, obviously trying to sneak inconspicuous peaks at her dusky, robust bosom. She smiled as he caught himself a too funny. Might I join you? He asked hopefully. Sableland gave a slight nod toward the seat beside her. 
he removed his seat jacket and placed it gently on the back of his chair, but he did not sit down. Like any other shark type, he was merely marking his territory, so to speak. This was a total old-school playboy move, at the very least. The gentleman was 16J, Z, Luciano. Not about to graciously relinquish her attention, not in a million. So, he thought. The lady said not a word as she arched her left eyebrow and pursed her lips in approval. Of course, by this time his male member would be as hard as a fucking poker. His fiery eyes were glazing over with intrigue and capriciousness. She knew he was thinking all types of scandalously scathing thoughts. Um hum. Sable purred softly, just enough for the gentle man's ear to catch the cynical gesture. Well, now, he remarked with his deep British accent and that old rake of a glint in his eyes. Sable leaned back on her seat as she looked the gentleman up and down with discretion. Her feet wanted to turn back flips they ached so badly from those four-inch Jimmy Choo come-fuck-me pumps. Beautiful, the exec murmured as he attempted to kiss the back of Sabalan's hand. She pulled it back, then rested it gently on his chest. Most men would have seen this as a woman's surrender. But Sabalan was total old school. The move by the lady was a control. Move. By pressing her hand onto his chest, he could invade her space no farther than the boundary of her hand's permissiveness. Sneaky. It was very strategic and coy of her. But he was lost in the game so deeply that he never noticed her clever move. The gentleman simply kept moving his lips, along with his hopeful agenda. At that point, Sableanne knew the privy of her personal space was secure, and at readiness status, a total warrior woman tactic. Provided you don't mind, beautiful. His words dripped off his lips. Sableanne knew he was up to no damn good. My name is Alan, with an E. And you are. He shot Sableanne a gaze that nearly penetrated her smouldering mockerich smooth skin. It was as if he were attempting to x-ray her through the beauty's mink-collared Jones New York power suit with the pinstripe skirt that embraced her hips like a possessive lover. She did not mind, not one bit. It was one of those welcomed flirts that many traveling female. XX adored. They often played off such overt advances for their fellow Femi. Ignited Bones 17. Nists at large. However, they adored and welcomed such brazen flintiness, like combative titans. No matter how contradictory this may appear, or sound, it was a female exec thing. What else could one expect for a woman the likes of Sableanne? She only trusted that which she felt she could control, powerful safety mechanism. No matter how tacky his approach, he was totally harmless. She noticed via her peripheral vision that the two <coughs> older XX were heading over to her end of the bar. Sableanne could not help but note that the taller, much older member of the trio was the most poised of the three gentlemen, and far more statuesque. Hell, he was in her direct loss line of sight. However, out of courtesy, she chose to focus on the flirty moves from Mr. Allen. But she sneaked glances at the tall exec, here and there. A coy and clever bitch, she applied her totally old-school moves. 
She could not quite put her finger on it at the time, but there was something distinct and familiar about the tall, statuesque gentleman. But as to what it was, she had not a damn clue. Plus, her increasing level of arousal was affecting her ability to concentrate on the situation without distraction. Mr. Allen may have been a bit much, but he was attractive as hell. Plus, she was a sucker for the British accent. Period. Sable's attentions were occupied for the moment. However, she did not need to worry her pretty little flirty head, because soon all her questions and curiosities were about to be met and satisfied. Some pretty importune fortunes were about to unfold in that damn sky club. Who the hell would have ever have thunk it? 18J, Z, Luciano. F. 4. Sky clubs and ladies. Innerly, the mystery executive turned himself around slowly, exposing his full frontal plane and identity. Damnation. Saberland's jaw dropped. No fucking way, it cannot be him again. Her complimentary glass of sparkling water spilled into her lap. She was startled, as though she had been hit by a bolt of lightning, straight through her chest. Stunned and perplexed, the damsel was visibly shaken to her very core. As her breath and voice appeared to have caught itself in the center of her throat, the tall executive stepped in closer for an assist. His stunningly tall and statuesque silhouette nearly engulfed her entire body, leather chair and all. Though stunned, Sable Anne was not frightened. Mr. Allen and the other executive gave way and quarter to their patrons since they worked for him. The gentleman took leave and the reins. Smiling from ear to ear, he crossed over into Sable's private space. She looked up towards him like a lost child who finally had been found. Her eyes flickered with utter beguilement. Well, he resounded as if he himself were gasping for air. Do not tell me, Mistress Sableann, that the cat has got your tongue. Alan and the third gentleman looked on. I take it you two are acquaintances of some sort. Alan remarked rather enviously and defensively. Well, since it seems she is speechless at the moment, I will answer your question for her, the bold executive remarked sternly. First, be very careful and mindful, Alan. His firm glare was a warning shot fired across the bows of both gentlemen. It was a signal to cease and desist with their flirting antics. Mistress Sable is and shall never be a simple acquaintance to me or for anyone. Let us be totally clear about that, fellas. A cold and callous look in his bloodshot, squinted eyes followed his remark. I believe you need to settle yourself into the idea that you have lost this round completely. That deep southern drawl of his was a challenge. When that Charlestonian drawl surfaced, it only meant one thing. Fuck off. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed that electronic reading. I thought it would be a fascinating teaser and a great way to level up the literary steamy romantic game that said i am so excited about this book it is so intriguing so engaging the character arc, character arcs the 
different scenes. They just go in and out, in and out, in and out. They take you everywhere. But the storyline stays focused on the three characters, the three main characters, which of course is Major Glenn, Sableland, and I'll just let the third gentleman's name be a mystery. We'll call him Mr. Sky Club for now. So just a little teaser for you guys to listen to while you're at work or on lunch, on your break, etc., etc. While you're chilling, locked in, and I am just beyond thrilled. That said, get the book, get the book, get the book. Review, review, review. Thank you guys and have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Bye.